The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Unleashing the Beast. Mark Morano is unleashed on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello, hello. Well, they're back. That's right. Mask mandates are coming back in the United States and other parts of the world. And we've got the scoop on that. We also have a whole series of things on COVID, COVID vaccines. And we have joining us Dr. Kelly Victory after our first break. And you'll want to stay around for that for the latest on vaccines. Well, yes, by the way, this is my fake mask, if you will. You can see how it's see-through. I don't know if you can tell. You can see, you can see through it. Because this is what I used to use on airplanes and everything. Never got caught. It's a, just a one layer of mesh. But the uh, the camouflage actually worked great on airplanes when they had the mask mandate. So you wouldn't have the flight attendants. And you could breathe perfectly fine. And you didn't have to, you know, it's, it's an awesome mask to have. You had websites, fakemask.com. I got this one off of Etsy. Uh, and again, very nicely done. Anyway, as I said, mask mandates are back. I have a, let me go ahead and play Clip one, which will set the stage. This is CBS News telling us about the masks coming back uh, and it's trickling in, but we all see as we head into a deeper flu season here. Clip two right now. The latest COVID variant is now driving nearly half of all COVID infections, according to the CDC. Atia's talking about GN1. It's prompted some major health systems across the nation to bring back mask mandates. Steve Harrigan takes a closer look. The COVID pandemic may be over, but a new Omicron subvariant is driving up cases across the country. According to the CDC, JN1 makes up about half of new COVID infections in the U.S., largely in the Northeast. That's up from 7% in late November. Public health officials say there is no indication the variant causes more severe disease than other strains, but with holiday gatherings and travel at peak levels, it could make people more vulnerable to the virus. You create sort of this perfect environment where people can share and have less resistance to things they normally would potentially not get. As COVID spreads, major health systems in Massachusetts and Wisconsin and other states are bringing back mask requirements in some locations. Yes, and I have a hair clip. This is clip two from CBS News. They're still not giving up uh, with these mask mandates. And it's not just mask mandates, because remember, looming in this whole spectacle is the World Health Organization's pandemic treaty that's coming up in May of this year with the United States, Canada, I believe almost every nation of the developed world seems to be all in. I'm not sure about Sweden and a few other outliers, but this is frightening stuff. Let's hope, and in the past, the developing world, African nations, South America have killed this treaty, the WHO pandemic treaty, due to sovereignty issues. But this is clip two, CBS News, a little bit more on the mask mandates returning. A rise in respiratory virus cases across the country has hospitals in some states bringing back mask mandates. The CDC says more than 29,000 people across the country were admitted to hospitals with COVID between December 17th and the 23rd. There were also nearly 15,000 people in the hospital with the flu in that same period. All of this now has New York, California, Illinois and Massachusetts reinstating mask mandates in hospitals. 
So they're coming back right now in hospitals, but we actually have a few other cases in states and regions where they tried to, they made an announcement on mask mandates, and then the public outcry was such that they ended up saying that they were voluntary and guidelines and they weren't going to mandate them. So the pushback, let's hope, is real right now. When uh, the Biden administration was asked about these mask mandates, Karine Jean-Pierre said the Biden administration's always been very consistent about mask mandates. Let's let's take a look. Clip three. Um, some hospitals in at least eight states have brought back some form of masking now due to rising uh, cases of respiratory viruses, including flu and COVID. Does the White House think more hospitals across the country should be considering that right now? The masking piece? That is, and we've been always been very consistent on this. That is something that is... Uh, localize or uh, that or hospitals, uh, communities, cities, states, they have to make their own decisions. That's not something that we get involved in. So they say, uh, let's play. Let's this is clip four. Biden putting on his mask, a quick shot of this, and then I'll explain. Biden made his mask mandate part of his election. When he was elected, the first thing he did was instill and double down on federal mask mandates on trains and planes and automobiles. By the way, it took a year and a half for one Trump appointed federal judge to reverse mask mandates on planes, trains and automobiles here in the United States. One and a half years declaring that, of course, the CDC and the relevant agencies did not have the constitutional authority to impose a mask mandate on us. They're going after what we breathe. The whole idea that they're weaponizing us. They got the new variant of COVID coming. And a lot of this, too, not only is it seasonal, but as I mentioned, it's coming up for the big World Health Organization meeting on the pandemic treaty. Um I wanted to play you clip six. Well, actually, that's getting into the vaccines. Uh, well, we'll get into that in a minute. We're going to have Dr. Kelly Victory here. But I wanted to get a little bit explained on the mask mandates here. The mask mandates, sadly, started under the Trump administration. And again, we go back to Donald Trump doing his two weeks to flatten the curve, 10 days in, in Deborah Burks, his COVID chair, now admits her and Anthony Fauci conspired in her book, it was a tell-all book. She explained how at the press conference in March of 2020, they conspired to just buy time for public health to come up with more reasons. And so Donald Trump fell for it. We're going to pause the economy, shut down, a federal shutdown. Uh, and he gave out the the whole COVID emergency declaration. He did, he signed that, which is one of the greatest blunder of his presidency, two weeks to flatten the, of any president in the last 50 years. Any single action is the greatest thing he did because it gave every governor and mayor dictatorial powers to in which to rule with COVID. So with Donald Trump, by allowing that, and then by the way, I'm going to find the footage of this. Donald Trump apparently gave uh, Fauci either a Presidential Medal of Freedom or something on his way out before Donald Trump left, which is just appalling because by the end of the Trump administration in 2020, he should have known well better. So I'm not trying to throw shade on Trump. It's just such a disappointment when it comes to COVID and the fact that he still doubles down and says his vaccine saved millions of lives and it was great and Operation Warp Speed was awesome. We'll ask Dr. Kelly Victory about that later today for the... Uh, she's been on Dr. Drew a lot. Uh, we're going to ask her about the, uh, the Operation Warp Speed and if it saved Spanish toll like death tolls, as Donald Trump claims. And also, uh, we're going to ask her what she thinks if like Donald Trump. Well, I won't. I try not to get her talking about Donald Trump, but whether people like Andrew Cuomo in New York, as Donald Trump said, did a better job handling COVID than Ron DeSantis. Obviously, Trump doesn't believe it, but he says it out loud and he says it 
with some sincerity. He says it because he's just trying to trash Ron DeSantis. But of course, Governor Cuomo, former Governor Cuomo, came out with statements supporting Trump. The media loved it. I mean, it was just nauseating, nauseating. Okay. So uh, when you're dealing with this COVID authoritarianism, I wanted to show you Bill Gates uh, talking about COVID. And in my book, The Great Reset, I, I showed that Klaus Schwab, president of the World Economic Forum, in June of 2020, when this book came out, says this is not a particularly deadly virus. Uh, and there's scientists like Dr. Dennis Rancourt, who I got to get on the show, of Canada, physicist, who says this doesn't even qualify as a pandemic, that no one should be calling COVID a pandemic. It was not. You got a pandemic, but no, I'm not getting into that. A pandemic does not, it did not meet the criteria. And I've had many other public health specialists and, and epidemiologists say, if we hadn't put all the media hysteria, this possibly could have passed without people, without it being that noticeable. The only exception I would take to that personally, as a lay person, when it comes to this, it definitely was a weird virus. It knocked me back for like two weeks of low energy. It's all I had was low energy, sleepy, uh, but no other symptoms, not even a runny nose, not even a sore throat, no fever. But I did lose my sense of smell. And I think because of that, it's harder to make the claim that the public wouldn't have noticed a virus. I think they would have thought something strange was going on, but I don't think you would have had the hysteria without the planned hysteria. So this is Bill Gates clip five. This is about a year and a half old where he's finally acknowledging and the theory behind why Bill Gates acknowledged that COVID wasn't that bad was because he had then sold his shares in a lot of the vaccines and the mandates were ending. So he, and he didn't have that financial stake anymore. But anyway, this is clip five. You may not have seen this, Bill Gates admitting COVID just wasn't that deadly or much different than the flu. It wasn't until early February when I was in a meeting that experts at the foundation said, there's no way, you know, this, there's been too much uh, travel without diagnosis uh, for us to contain this. And then at that point, we didn't really understand the fatality rate. You know, we didn't understand that it's a fairly low fatality rate and that it's a disease mainly of the elderly, kind of like flu is, although a bit different than that. So that was a pretty scary period right. uh, where the world didn't go on alert, including the United States, nearly as fast as it needed to. Now, he's referring to uh, February, January, February of 2020, saying we should have essentially locked down sooner. But he's also saying we really didn't know the death rate. And then he starts talking about it like the flu. Um, and then you get to the vaccine. And again, we're going to have Dr. Kelly Victory joining us in about eight minutes. But this vaccine, people talk about it like, well, I didn't know. You have people like Jimmy Dore, uh, who's you know now been red-pilled on this. And I can't remember if, I don't think RFK Jr. got it either, but Jimmy Dore did get it. I don't know if he got a booster, just the first. But once people had an adverse reaction to it, then they into it. And whether you're a liberal conservative, you quickly became anti-vax. Remember in my book, The Great Reset, I detail how they changed the definition of an anti-vaxxer from someone who is opposed to all vaccines and used to someone to the, the new definition is someone who opposes vaccine mandates. So you might be, you may have had every booster and have every, you know, you may have had eight myocarditis incidents and three cardiac arrests due to the vaccine, but you're still considered anti-vax if you don't support vaccine mandates, according to Merriam-Webster dictionary, the new revised definitions. But the vaccines, by the time they came around, and that was the end of Trump administration, 
I never once considered it for me, my family, anyone. And I explained this. The simple explanation is anyone can understand is I didn't trust anyone pushing the vaccine, like medically. I didn't trust Dr. Fauci. I didn't trust Francis Collins. I didn't trust the CDC. I didn't trust NIH. I didn't trust the Food and Drug Administration. I didn't trust any public health officials. The last thing I was ever going to do was take that vaccine. And then, and I don't have that clip today, but maybe I'll get that for later this week. You have Anthony Fauci a few years before COVID admitting the mRNA technology was failure after failure, human trial failure. And he actually says we need something to speed this along and make it go through the regulatory hoops. And he was basically, they just lie and wait. The same way gun control advocates lie and wait for a school shooting, uh, the same way climate activists lie and wait for a, uh, a, a wildfire or a hurricane to hit so they can then exploit it politically and say, see, we told you so. Um, but this is a stroll down the path of vaccine claim history. I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, and we're going to get this is setting up our main interview today with Dr. Kelly Victory about vaccines. Were the vaccines safe and effective? Let's play clip six and take a stroll down memory lane. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. And, and that vaccine, uh, key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus, the virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. I think given the country as a whole, the fact that we have now about 50% of adults fully vaccinated and about 62% of adults having received at least one dose as a nation, I, I'm, I feel fairly certain you're not gonna see the kind of surges mm -hmm. we've seen in the past. If you're vaccinated, you're not gonna be hospitalized. You're not going to be an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. And there you have it. That's what the public was told. Not once. Not twice. Not three times. Repeatedly at every level of public health bureaucrats, uh, from your local public health official to your state to your federal to your country. It was 
absolute bollocks, lies from beginning to end. And how do we know? Why am I using the word lie? Maybe it was just they didn't know. They, they weren't sure. They, you know, they, they were scientifically, you know, just technically incorrect. And they later corrected. First of all, they've never corrected it. They don't admit that. Uh, but there's a clip here that I want to show you. I guess this would be clip eight. And this is a Pfizer executive compelled to testify in the EU admitted that they never tested the COVID vaccine for transition. So let's go ahead and play this clip, uh, the Pfizer executive. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. I don't know what to say. No, it wasn't tested to see if it stopped transmission. And even as outrageous is the reason given. They had to move at, quote, the speed of science, unquote. The speed of science. What this reminds me of is if you're a kid, or if you remember back when you were a kid, you had a, a research paper due the next morning, and you just crammed in a bunch of crap from an encyclopedia, or you copy and paste a website, and you say, well, wait, how could you put together such crap? There's repetitive stuff here. You plagiarize. This is bad punctuation. No, you don't understand. I was working at the speed of history that I had to write this history paper that fast. The speed of science is how they justify putting a crappy, dangerous vaccine out in the public. One thing to approve a vaccine, whole nother level of evil to mandate it on the public. And that goes back to, uh, of course, Woody Harrelson's. And I'd like to get that clip. Maybe I'll get that later this week of him on Saturday Night Live. Just incredible summation, basically comparing uh, the COVID vaccine to big pharma drug sellers, get the government to make you take their product. He said no one would he believe it if it would be a Hollywood script. So that is what the, the speed of science. Um, and I do have a clip of The View. All right, we'll end on this. This is The View. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg and, oh, geez, I was going to say Meredith Vieira. What's her name? Uh, the the other co-host. That'll come to me. Uh, and this is their hypocrisy, how they, at one point, they come they came around to acknowledge that the vaccine didn't work, but they did it in a strange way. So let's play clip seven of The View. Uh, it's Joy, Joy Behard is who I'm trying to think of. Joy Behard and... Um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, The View, clip seven. But besides satire, Whoopi, I mean, look at what's happening with these anti-vax people. You know, I said this the other day. I have been boosted and boosted and boosted, so I got it, COVID. Mm -hmm. It does not prevent you from getting COVID, but you don't die from it. Right. And yet you have people like this Robert Kennedy Jr. who's going out there and attacking Fauci and saying that it's a bad thing to get but the he's boosted. he's not saying it's satire. He's actually believing well, I know, it. but this is fake you know? news. In and that's another thing. Fake news, alternative facts, all of and that started recently. And to that point, people need to check their sources. I mean, we only listen to what we say. I, I'm telling you, we tell the truth. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I won't go into all of it. I mean, I wanted you just to see it. 
Uh, but she's basically saying she got boosted after boosted after boosted. Then she got uh, COVID, but she didn't die. Well, I know everyone I know who got COVID didn't die. So what is the, oh, so there, I'm sorry. Everyone I know who got COVID and didn't have the vaccine didn't die. So what does that prove? They say this stuff. And then of course her co-host said, you have to track your sources. This reminds me again of the climate debate. If you have NASA, which was captured, is captured, and the old the old head of NASA, James Hansen, the old climate chief global warming scientist, was arrested half a dozen times for protesting global warming, endorsed a book for ridding the world of industrial civilization. He was literally like as as much of a climate cultist as you could imagine. That's how that's the seriousness of like his his being. Of course, the head of the UN climate panel, Rajendra Bachari, said global warming is my religion. Actually admitted that out loud. If those are your sources, NASA, which was captured, even the men who walked on the moon wrote letters to NASA and said the NASA original Apollo program and said the agency has been captured by climate alarmists. Uh, and they said NASA's not doing science anymore. It's doing climate activism. Anyway, what ended up happening is they're telling us now, watch your sources where you get it, whether it's COVID and, of course, the same as climate. So in other words, they want to silence all voices that dissent. The only voice that's going to be allowed are official government sources, which we'll now get to. Okay, I'm probably going to play a couple of these videos again for our guest, Dr. Kelly Victory, who will be up next on Unleashed with Mark Morano as we take a deep dive into COVID vaccines. Should you be getting jabbed with the flu virus and the flu, flu vaccine and the COVID so-called vaccine? And should you be getting every boosted? Should your 12-year-old, 10-year-old kids be getting boosted? Public Health wants them to. We'll ask the doctor next. Unleashed with Mark Morano. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong, some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. The net zero con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts. 
It isn't a theory. It's an agenda. There is no climate emergency. On air 24-7. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. Well, we're joined now by Dr. Kelly Victory. She's a uh, doctor, board-certified trauma emergency specialist with over 30 years of clinical experience, and she serves as the CMO for the whole health management. Welcome to the program, Dr. Uh, Victory. Thanks very much for having me, Mark. All right, tell us uh, what your research and what your actual treatment uh, when it comes to the COVID vaccine Uh we I was just playing a series of clips, and I'll play a few here for you to react to as well. Uh, everyone from Bill Gates to others and people claiming that the virus stopped with it. But is the virus safe and effective? Should people be getting, should people get it? Should they be getting the boosters and should they be injecting their children? Let's start simple. What's your, what do you, what's your answer to these questions? Well, let me start by saying this. <laughs> the public health response to the COVID pandemic was sure. the greatest fraud perpetrated on the global population in my lifetime, certainly. The reality is this, they acted as if everyone was at equivalent risk from this virus when we knew from the very beginning that that was not the case. Children are at fundamentally such a de minimis risk from COVID as to be uh, close to zero. And even healthy people under the age of 70 were at very little risk. Instead of uh, acknowledging the many readily available safe uh, and effective treatments that we had from co for COVID, they instead decided to launch this mass vaccine program with a, an injection that was largely untested using an mRNA platform that has many, many flaws and many faults. Uh, what I would say is this, the COVID virus has done exactly, Mark, what we would have expected it to do as it mutates. It has become more contagious but less severe, less lethal. So the COVID that exists today is really akin to a mild cold. Most people, the vast majority, don't even need to see a doctor for it, let alone be hospitalized. So when you ask the question, should people be getting vaccinated now? <laughs> should they be taking the boosters? I would say you really have to do what I always recommend in medicine, which is a risk benefit calculation. What is the risk from the virus, the risk from the potential treatment or the vaccine weighed against, you know, the, 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 it's, a, it's risks and benefits. What's the benefit? These vaccines, if you want to call them that, have been fraught with problems. We are seeing multiple, multiple adverse events. And on top of that, they aren't effective. They don't actually stop you from contracting COVID. So people need to come to their own conclusions but when you have an injection that is fraught with complications, has been largely untested, and isn't effective in stopping the thing it was intended to stop, um, I think you're on a fool's errand to take it. Well, look, I was talking earlier, too, about this whole idea of Operation Warp Speed. Isn't a vaccine <laughs> sort of, a, especially in this day and age, with all the conflict of interest and the revolving door between government, the regulators, and the pharmaceuticals, isn't that a bad idea generally to rush any vaccine to the market for a perceived or real public health emergency? Do you support that concept of a sort of Operation Warp Speed? I, no, and I never did. It's a very, yeah. first of all, really bad name. It should have been called Operation <laughs> Thoughtful, Highly Tested um, you know, <laughs> Injection or something like that. There's a reason why the average vaccine mark takes six to eight years to come to market if it ever makes it at all. 
Vaccinology is very complex and the human immune system doesn't always respond in the way we think it will. Sometimes the ill effects aren't found for months or years afterwards. There are a heck of a lot of viruses out there for which scientists have been trying to find a vaccine for years. Things like herpes, Coxsackie virus, norovirus, many of them. And it's not because we haven't tried. It's because it's complex. So the idea that they launched this, quote, vaccine in a matter of months, as I said, with very limited testing, it had never been tested on people, for example, with autoimmune diseases. It had never been tested on people who had already had and recovered from COVID. They were eliminated from the very limited testing that was done. So no, it is never wise. One of the fundamental lines that they crossed was that they gave these shots to groups of people on whom it had never been tested, including, for example, pregnant and lactating women. That is a red line in medicine that we never cross. We never give a new drug or therapeutic to groups of people on whom it has not been tested. All right. Well, certainly pre-COVID, there was a lot of trust in public health, <laughs> as in, I guess you could call it an institution. There was a, you know, among the public. Now, I didn't trust it. I had read at least Anthony Fauci, NIH. I had read Mike, the, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but Michael Fomento. Long before RFK Jr. wrote about Anthony Fauci, I was reading Michael Fomento and the whole myth, you know, the myth of heterosexual AIDS and all the stuff that Anthony mm -hmm. Fauci did using fear back in the you know, late 80s, early 90s, and, the, and, the, and the, the gay activists upset with him. So my mm -hmm. question is this. I remember very well all the you know the fact checks and all the public health officials right. saying it's safe and effective for pregnant women it's safe and how could they make that claim if there was no data to support it what happens in your understanding you're in the medical profession you see public health do this how can they just make that claim do they pretty much just get a campaign mode where they just say what they need to and the data be damned how does it work it's unconscionable it was an abject lie and i've said from the beginning this was not mistakes my government made. This was lies my government told me. They had no right to make those claims. They claimed that it was safe and effective uh, for pregnant women, safe and effective on children. These are things that were absolutely not known. And in fact, Mark, we have the receipts now to prove that the pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, knew of the multitude of adverse events associated with these. They knew from the very beginning, before they were launched on the public, that the injection did not stay in your deltoid muscle in the arm, as we were told it would. They knew from the very beginning that the mRNA was not eliminated, quote, within a matter of days, a claim that still today exists on the CDC's website. These are lies and they knew it. We have their confidential studies that were run. They knew that the mRNA was not eliminated. They knew that it went to every major organ system within a matter of hours, including 11% of the mRNA ending up in the reproductive organs, the ovaries and the testes. This is stuff that is incredibly important. There are profound implications for, uh, for fertility, for reproductive health, uh, and on and on. So they made these claims knowing that they were not true. And as always happens, the mainstream media 
fell right in line, they took their talking points, and they parroted them over and over and over again. And those of us who tried to speak the truth, who tried to say, wait, 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 whoa, slow, slow this down, were instead censored, canceled, derided, ridiculed, and threatened. Uh, and we can never allow that to happen again. It did tremendous damage to the confidence that people have in public health and to the healthcare system in general. Yeah, we were also told, I remember it was Naomi Wolf and others on social media, if they mentioned that women's menstrual cycles were being affected by the shot, that was immediately labeled misinformation, mm -hmm. you'd be deplatformed. And the same with men's, I think, sperm count. And then later, mm -hmm. like a year or two after, you know, New York Times, Washington Post reporting on studies talking about it affecting the fertility. What is the effect right now on fertility for people who take these, I won't call it a vaccine, I'll call it the jab. How does that, is that more scientifically accurate than calling it a vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say we still have a lot of studies that need to be done. And this is why, as I said, normally these are the kinds of studies, Mark, that would be done during the six, eight, 10 years before the vaccine is launched onto the public to understand what is the impact on fertility. What I can say is we know what the data are showing so far, which is that birth rates are down across the globe in those countries that are heavily vaccinated. Places like Taiwan, birth rate down 26%. Most of Western Europe down between six and 9%. These are devastating numbers. Interestingly, in parts of the world where there was not high vaccination rates, say, for example, sub-Saharan Africa, they are not seeing decreases in their fertility and birth rates. So again, these are correlations at this point. Studies need to be done, but it is concerning. And we know that more and more women are reporting issues with fertility if they were vaccinated. Well, all right, we're going to play, this is clip six. Just play the first 35 seconds or show up to Rachel, finish with Rachel Maddow. You just do that. But clip six, these are some of the claims, just for a reminder for you and for our audience of what we were hearing daily from the mainstream corporate media. Go ahead, clip six, the first 35 seconds or so. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. And, and that vaccine, a uh, key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no, uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus, the virus does not infect them, the virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use you the vaccinated there. person as a host to go get more people. Okay, you heard it all right there. This is what we were told by the trusted members of the media and of course right. Bill Gates, who's the number one funder to the World Health Organization. Did they, were they lying? Couldn't they argue now that, well, we didn't know scientifically. Is that possible? Or you're saying outright that they knowingly deceived? I'm saying they knowingly deceived. Mark, I didn't say the things that I said from the very, very beginning because I'm a good guesser. I said it because this is, okay, I said what I said because we knew there's a reason we have never been successful in creating a vaccine for a coronavirus. 
they mutate too quickly. They simply mutate too quickly. All viruses mutate. Coronaviruses are particularly adept at it. They change the form of that spike protein. And I said from the beginning, the idea of creating a vaccine that is based on attacking the spike protein will fail and it will fail immediately because the spike protein will mutate its way out of uh, the, the effect of that vaccine. And sure enough, it did. Now we know, we knew pretty quick early on that not only does the vaccine not stop you from getting COVID, but it actually increases your risk of contracting COVID. We have huge studies to prove it, including one from the Cleveland Clinic with more than 50,000 patients. The more vaccinated you are for COVID, the more likely you are to contract it. On top of that, despite what Bill Gates or Rachel Maddow or Rochelle Walensky would say, they never ever studied whether it impacted transmission. The entire basis, the entire rationale for a vaccine mandate was so that you would not spread COVID to others when they never even tested for that. And then it turns out that it didn't stop transmission. So all of these people who lost their jobs, lost their pensions, lost their military careers, lost their ability to travel, to go to school, because they perhaps chose not to take one of these vaccines, it was all based on faulty logic, faulty science. They didn't study the impact on transmission. So these are things that are absolute, as I said, these weren't mistakes, they were lies. They knew they hadn't studied the effect on transmission, but they claimed that they had, and they claimed that it would stop you from spreading COVID to others. It's it's just unconscionable. People need to be held to account for these types of lies. Well, let me play one clip. This is a short one. Clip eight. This is the Pfizer official who under was compelled to testify in the EU admitted they never tested these vaccines for transmission. Just watch this clip, and then we'll get your reaction. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping immunisation before um, it's entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. Well, there you have Dr. Dr. Victory. She literally said, no, they never tested it. And more importantly, the reason they didn't have a chance to test it, whether it stopped transmission, is they had to move at the speed of science. Now, you're a doctor <laughs> all these decades. What is the speed of science? It, yeah, well, the speed of science is only as fast as we are able to test it. This is, you know, that's why I'm a scientist. I actually don't roll the dice, and I certainly never <laughs> use the word market in anything having to do with science. They followed the market all right, uh, and they followed it right to their bank accounts, and people are paying the price, huge human toll. We had safe, readily effective uh, medications, inexpensive medications, by the way, to treat COVID from the very beginning, 
And those of us who did it, as I said, were ridiculed, canceled, and threatened. Uh, and instead, people received these injections, many of them against their better judgment and against their will. Uh, and unfortunately, they are suffering very ill effects. All right. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano. We take a break. We'll come back. We have about 10 more minutes left or eight more minutes left with Dr. Victory. Stay tuned. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. <laughs> My baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those <laughs> beans smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay, smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome to Unleashed with Mark Morano. We're back with Dr. Kelly Victory, a board-certified trauma emergency specialist and uh, of whole health management. Uh, Dr. Victory, I remember vividly, we were trying to get ivermectin, I think it was from my daughter at the time, and we couldn't go to Walgreens, CVS, all these corporate chain pharmacies, because they're like, no, we had a doctor's prescription, but like, no, we're not doing that. That's not allowed. And you had to find, we had to like literally get in the phone book. We had to drive like 30 minutes to some non-chain pharmacy who was willing to fill a doctor's prescription that had never happened in our lifetime. What was going on there? Was there a corporate government collusion? How did CVS get in on this insanity? Was this all related to the, uh, the Operation Warp Speed where they were the government was suppressing any possible alternative because then you wouldn't have justification for a vaccine? What happened there with, with these pharmacists? This was something I had never seen in my entire career, Mark, as you uh, said, pharmacists and, and uh, big box pharmacies overriding legitimate prescriptions written by boarded physicians. This was absolutely unconscionable. I, I really can't explain it other yeah. than to say 
It was a corporate collusion, all right. Uh, to be clear, I got kicked off of social media for making statements about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, two medications in the case of hydroxychloroquine, FDA approved for use in humans since 1942, taken wow. by hundreds of millions of people around the globe every single year. Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin have both been on the WHO's list of essential medications for decades. They're that safe, okay? Used for in humans for decades. Yet we were not allowed to write prescriptions for them and pharmacies, if you did write a prescription, just wouldn't fill it. So many people like you had to go to compounding pharmacies that can work out of the, uh, you know, from under the thumb of the big box corporations. These medications, in the case of both hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, were very, very effective against COVID. And this wasn't just a guess on our part. In 2005, the NIH, under the tutelage of Anthony Fauci, published a study saying that hydroxychloroquine was highly effective against SARS-CoV-1, the SARS outbreak that we had in 2003, which is why we had every reason to think that it would be highly effective against SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. This wasn't just a guess. Likewise, ivermectin is a strong antiviral, has effect not only against COVID-19, but many viruses. And these medications cost pennies a pill. They're very, very safe, readily available, and dirt cheap. But instead, they launched a bunch of new medications like Paxlovid and Remdesivir uh, and others that again were minimally tested fraught with complications, but made a lot of people a lot of money. Wow. Um, and let's go back early on in this, uh, the COVID, I guess you go back to March, April, May of 2020. There was this government recommendation and hospitals were ventilating people. Where did that come from? And what was the result of this mass ventilation for COVID-19 victims? Ventilation, unfortunately, in the case of COVID, sounded the death knell. Um, people largely once put on a ventilator, uh, it was one stop before they ended up um, meeting their ultimate demise. Uh, the Again, we should have been treating people the way the handful of us were early on uh, with steroids and other medications to help with the inflammatory process. There's no question that the spike protein on COVID caused mass inflammation and the proper treatment, in addition to drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, was steroids and other medications to stop that inflammatory process. Uh, once on the ventilator, as I said, people were sedated and never were able to get off the ventilators. Many of them then also got remdesivir, which caused profound kidney damage in many, many people and ended up ultimately, I think, facilitating their demise, certainly didn't turn anybody around. Wow. All right. Well, then here's the question. How did this happen? Meaning, how was, okay, 
10 years ago, was public health and our government and, and the corporate government this corrupt? Or was it just a ripe time where everything accelerated overnight? I mean, was it always this bad and we didn't notice? You were in the medical field. And how do we fix this? How do we prevent this? Because it seems like we have the World Health Organization getting set in May and the Biden administration's all in on a pandemic treaty, which seems to be a doubling and tripling down of the exact same measures and lockdowns right. and mandates we had in COVID. How did it get that way? How do we fix it? Well, it's a complex uh, story, but I'll tell you that the two highlights I would say is that number one, the World Health Organization is fundamentally the long arm of the Chinese Communist Party. We should have no part of it. They are not interested in public health. They are interested in control and in uh, sort of fulfilling the uh, Chinese Communist Party's um, best interests. Secondly, we have got to disarticulate the relationship between big pharma our government organizations like the CDC and the FDA, and very importantly, the medical journals. What used to be the storied medical journals, the Lancet, BMJ, JAMA, places where physicians could go to read um, the articles, the real studies done, those things have been corrupted. You cannot get a study published in a major medical journal unless it comes to the conclusion that the pharmaceutical company wants it to come to. Likewise, there are people at the FDA, the CDC, that own patents. They are making millions of dollars on the sale of these new drugs. That's wrong. They, we, that is a conflict of interest of the worst type. And I think until we disarticulate that cozy relationship between big pharma, government agencies, and the medical journals, we will never have veracity again in healthcare and certainly in public health. Well, and are you optimistic that can happen on any time scale within our lifetimes? It's, you know, when you have someone like Scott Gottlieb, who was the FDA chair, then moved over to Pfizer, what's your comment on that? That should be illegal, right? To be able to go rotating between government positions, overseeing the regulators to becoming one of the companies you oversee? It, it, exactly. It's it's just they're on they're they're on a rotation. I guarantee Anthony Fauci uh, will pop up. So it's like whack a mole. He'll pop up at some pharmaceutical company as well as an advisor. Um, the the idea that anybody at the CDC or the FDA owns patents where they could make money on the sale of any particular therapeutic is absolutely a conflict of interest. If you know when you read a medical study. Very, very, at the very bottom under the fine print, after you've read the entire thing, dozens of pages and complex science, is the uh, conflict of interest statement where it says, you know, who actually paid the scientists who yes. ran the study. That should be at the top of the article, before the title of the article. It should say, who paid for this study? Because then I can decide if I even want to waste my time reading it. If it was bought and paid <laughs> yeah. for by a pharmaceutical company, don't waste your time. Wow. All right. Well, thank you very much. And you have to go, Dr. Kelly Victory, board certified trauma emergency specialist and the CMO for whole health management. Thank you for joining TNT today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Wow. Uh, that's um, that. I should have asked her about that. What, what does she think of the science when she hears that phrase? I'm following the science trademark. And I love the new phrase we learned today. 
we move at the speed of science. So next time you're cramming, you're your kids cramming for some deadline and you're doing a, you know, a half-assed job, just say, um, this, is, this is the speed of science, the speed of history, the speed of math. Uh, it's, it's the silliest thing you ever heard. In my own word, I would argue, I mean, there's a lot of deep reforms. The number one, probably simplest reform we could try to do, simplest, but very complicated still, is emergency reform emergency power reform. If you go back, and I detail this in my book, throughout human history, the greatest infringement of civil liberties by government upon its citizens are during times of emergency powers by government. And interestingly enough, even the BBC historian, which I cite, he actually says even in environmental disasters like a hurricane, we'll declare a public health, a public disaster area for you know, so you can get hurricane funds and relief and all that. It's intuitively you think like, oh, well, that's going to help the area. The actual studies show that declaring these disasters don't even help in these natural disaster situations. So let alone, you know, we have to declare a, a, a national emergency for terrorism so we can then sort of have a create a surveillance state. We have to declare a, a national emergency for COVID so we can create a bio biosecurity state. We have to declare a climate emergency so we can declare a, a, a Marxist state, basically. And by the way, uh, I, I, I'll probably I'll, I'll talk more about this tomorrow. Uh, but your gas car, your meat, and now your houseplants. Not making this up. Washington Post indoor houseplants come with a cost to the planet. Trucks that transport your houseplants spew carbon emissions and synthetic fertilizers are made from petroleum. So it's incredible. And if you go back, it's a full loop. They're going after every aspect of your life. But more importantly, as it relates to our show today, and the reason I open with a mask, the mask mandates are coming back. And then you have that new study on human breath and how it has warming agents from methane to nitrous oxide to carbon dioxide. And they're weaponizing human breath. They're saying that we're bad for the planet. And one reason we're bad for the planet is we get gas-powered cars, we eat meat, we get pets, and we get houseplants in our home that have to be transported by trucks. And they're regulating all of this. And that's why they love the idea of weaponizing people during COVID, social distancing. The idea is we can't uh, congregate because we're weapons. We're evil. You're a grandma killer if you leave your house. You're a grandma killer if you don't wear your mask. Um, and again, I, I didn't even like wearing a fake mask, uh, but to get on an airplane, what was I going to do? Civil disobedience? Um, so anyway, and by the way, as I've freely admitted, I made fake vaccine cards, no problem at all. I went to Boston during the height of this, printed up a vaccine card from Google Images on the web, Google search, wrote my name, had it all printed, used it at the hotel, was able to get, you know, I have no problem defrauding the fraudsters. And yes, I altered government documents, come after me. Uh, I challenge you. Well, anyway, if you, of course, if you come after me, then I'll probably regret saying that. But anyway, freely did that and uh, just had no problem forging documents as needed and encouraged others to do so, helped others do so. Um, it was like the, uh, just without a qualm, I, I mean, I actually had a priest one time tell me it was perfectly fine to do what I was doing because it was a form of civil disobedience. So of course we can all justify what we want, I guess, in some way. Anyway, um, 
So what a great show. Dr. Kelly Victory really laid it out there. Uh, I don't like to dispense health advice on this show, but like she said, if you're if someone's pressuring you or your mom or your children or anyone who's got a, a even a health ailment, do you better get this vaccine? Think long and hard. Uh, you know, you, I, I think, yeah, I don't want to give out medical advice, but I'm not getting it and no one I know is getting it. Uh, so that's for what it's worth. And I'm not a medical expert. I might play one on TV occasionally. Anyway, this has been Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. Uh, thanks for watching and we'll see you then. See you next time.